We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Cavs with 81 points, Clyde. That will be the second lowest point total for Nick opponent this season. Remember, they held the Celtics to 75 back on January 17th. Solid all-around effort. The Knicks went at 102-81. Yeah, Mitchie quickly 25, Barrett 24. So they provided the offense tonight. Oh, boy. How we doing? Ah, how are we doing tonight on a Friday evening? Oh, man. I said to my wife, I said to my wife midway through that one, it was like the third quarter. I was like, we can't lose this game. Can't lose this game. It's a must-win game. Can't blow this game against Kaz. Alfred Payton was in there. He was throwing the ball around, missing five-footers. Team, like they did when they first came out um, in the first quarter, stagnant on offense. The Cavs were back in the game. I think they got it to within – I don't know, a couple of possessions there. Um, yeah, they got it to within because they had a 16-point lead at halftime, and they, I think they got it to within two possessions. Uh, <laughs> bet now, Charlie has it. Quickly, rookie of the year, plus 1,600. It's not, it's not crazy. Let's talk about this for a second. Who is beating Emmanuel quickly for rookie of the year? I'm just going to go right to it. Forget about the game. The game is the game. The game doesn't matter. Um, Okay, who has a chance? LaMelo Ball's putting up some nice numbers in Charlotte. Charlotte's decent. You know, they're going to be in the mix. But Ball's coming off the bench. Um, you know, they're not winning a ton of games. They're not winning more games in New York, that's for sure. Um, so I can't say Ball. Wiseman is the, you know, he just got demoted to the bench. I think he's still coming off the bench now. I, I don't think it's Wiseman. Um, who's the rookie of the year? The Kings are third to last in the in the West. It's not Halliburton. You know, I don't, you know, the the, the Timberwolves are going to be the worst team in the league. I just, I, if it's, he's got to be in the conversation. He absolutely needs to be in the conversation. And the fact that the Knicks, the New York Knickerbockers, who have been screwing the pooch since I was a teenager, may, may have drafted the rookie of the year. At the 25th pick in the draft, um, I think that says as much about this new regime. <laughs> Manny Ortiz with the early early contender for comment of the night. Um, 
you know, I think it says all you need to know about the new regime. Um, because this regime came in, uh, we're, we're coming up on the one year anniversary and you'll excuse me because, um, I am on the post game tonight. So when, when Mr. Thibodeau comes to the podium, I have to, uh, I'm sorry, I have to leave you all. Um, but Leon Rose came in not knowing anything about how to run a basketball team. Nothing. He had never run a basketball team before. And so he didn't do anything crazy. He did nothing in the first month other than allowed Scott Perry and, and the remaining people in the front office to trade Marcus Morris for a first-round draft pick. And then he goes out. He fills out his front office with professional people who are well-respected around the entire league, including Walt Perrin, who has found himself some, some gems, some diamonds in the rough uh, over the years. Uh, in the late half of the first round. He goes out and hires a coach in Tom Thibodeau that the Knicks just allowed 81 points in a game. This is the fourth time in 40 games that the Knicks have allowed under 100 points. Or excuse me, not under 100 points. So fourth time in, in 20 games, the Knicks have allowed under 90 points. This is the NBA in 2020-21. And the Knicks are out here holding teams to 81 points. Um, you know. And, like, yeah, Cleveland's not a very good offensive team on the year, but they're the sixth best offense in the league over the last two weeks. Colin Sexton put up 40-whatever on Brooklyn. They put up 140-something on Brooklyn. Shit, we held them to almost half as many points as the Nets did. Uh, That's Tom Thibodeau. Like, what else do you want? That is Tom Thibodeau. Um, and, And what else did Leon Rose do? He has gotten past the first offseason where like we were off for so many months everybody wanted them to do something everybody wanted them to do something trade for Russell Westbrook trade for Chris Paul sign overpay anybody overpay Gordon Hayward overpay like just spend the money and he resisted the urge to do all of that oh you like the backpack that is that is my daughter's frozen backpack by the way Oops. here we go see Anna and Elsa, they are happy about this win tonight. So shout out to Anna and Elsa. Um, let me put this Knicks hat on. Uh, so he resisted the urge to do all of that. He went into this this year with a sound, competent, very offensively challenged team. Um, and they can't score. <laughs> they can't score for shit. Like Emmanuel quickly gets score when he gets going. And Julius Randle is – I'm going to have a piece – piece coming out on Julius Randle um, for the newsletter uh, early next, probably Monday. He's doing things that I think we need to start. I think we need to start acknowledging the fact that Julius Randle is like, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's like, it's past the all-star conversation because 2010 and five is something that just like, there's not a lot of guys in NBA history that have done 2010 and five and he's doing 2010 and five. Um, and great, great comment just now from Dre Digits, I think I pronounced that right. We don't need Julius to dominate to win games. Here's what I'm going to say in response to that. I think Julius Randle's fingerprints were all over this game. And I think Julius Randle's fingerprints were all over this game, not in the way that we are used to Julius Randle's fingerprints being all over a game, but they were all over the game because he was all over the place on defense. He's becoming a leader on defense. When did that happen? What odds could you have gotten on that? 
And I don't know how many assists he ended up with tonight. I think he had double or uh, he had six, seven, eight, whatever, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. He was looking to make the right play to the point of absurdity. And I'm not saying he's going to the like Rajon Rondo levels of passing where like Rondo for a few years there wanted to lead the league and assist. So he was like passing up like blatant layups. Like Randall's not doing that, but he's making such an effort to get his teammates involved. And if he's like overdoing the passing at this point, he gets a pass. Um, no pun intended, because that's just not anywhere like way, shape or form the guy that we saw last year. And again, credit to Tom Thibodeau for getting that dude to come in here and completely change his mindset in terms of how he approaches the game. Um, so nice game for Julius Randle. I've been talking for seven minutes and 15 seconds. I have not yet once mentioned the name of Rowan Barrett Jr. Um, Rowan Rowan had himself a little bit of a Kobe game tonight, I feel like, because uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, we all miss you. Uh, just a legend. And, like, you know, uh, Tom this week in the newsletter did a little little thing about, you know, how how uh, Rowan, Rajay, has a little bit of that mama mentality because he just, you know, he's attacking. He's constantly putting pressure on the defense. And tonight he had 24 points on 19 shots. 24 points on 19 shots. That dog will hunt any day of the week. Two assists, four rebounds, um, two steals. It was a good night. Got to the got to the line seven times. Just a really nice night for RJ. It's like, and the fact that we could have this, and like RJ is for me almost the third, the third story tonight, the third or fourth story after Tibbs, Randall, uh, and obviously quickly. Is crazy because, like, three weeks ago, crazy, insane people on the internet, like me, were like, uh, what, what are we doing here? Like, he can't make a shot. He's not converting at the rim. He's not making obvious passes. Like, what are we doing? And he just told us to all go fuck themselves. He told, he told me, go fuck yourself, Macri. We don't want you here. I don't need you. I'm going to do this on my own. And he is doing it. He's doing it night after night after night. He has bad nights occasionally, but he doesn't let them deter him. Um, I wrote um, in the newsletter today that I uh, didn't think that the Knicks would even entertain trading RJ for Bradley Beal. And then one or two people responded to me and be like, really? Like, Bill will resign if you trade for him. You wouldn't give up RJ for him? No. I'm not giving up RJ Barrett for Bradley Beal. I don't know that there's 20 players in the league right now that I would give up RJ Barrett for. Um, he is just – he's 20 years old. He gets it. He wants to be in New York. He's taking taking it upon himself every night to lead this team along with Julius. And it's just astounding to see. Um so, and, and God knows, imagine what he's going to do when he gets real NBA talent alongside him. Because right now, and I'm probably going to have to finish up here because Tibbs, I imagine, is coming to the podium pretty soon. Like, they're doing what they're doing right now with two solid, real NBA pieces. Quickly is the third, but quickly is a rookie. 
and he still makes rookie mistakes. And it's amazing what he's doing. But, like, think about that for a second. Our third best player this year, the Knicks' third best player this year, and this is no disrespect to Mitchell Robinson, but Mitchell Robinson right now is a limited player. He is, like, in some ways the most important part of their defense. But at the same time, I think I'm seeing enough overall from their defense that this isn't just Mitch. This is a team effort. So while Mitch is a very important part to their defense, I think like at this point we could say it's, it's Julius, it's RJ, it's quickly. Um, that's this team. Our third best player is a guy that just got drafted 25th, two months ago. And RJ is doing what he's doing. And Julius is doing what he's doing. And, you know, people I see in the chat are asking about like Derek Rose and like there's going to be trade rumors coming about. I I want to see this team see where it can go this year. Oh, I got Tom. I got to go, guys. This has been fun. I will see you after Sunday's game. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Well. Okay, just got done with the post game pressers. Um, man, this is fun. This is we're having some good times now. Uh, we had Tom Thibodeau, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett talking after the game. So the Knicks are nine and eleven, and I want to zoom out for just one more second here because. We we just got treated to a game in which the Knicks came out, looked god-awful. I mean, think about this for a second. The Knicks just won a game by, I don't know what the final score was. It should have been 20. Uh, if it wasn't 20, it was close to 20. But they, yeah, it was, they won by 21. They came out and they scored a grand total of five points in the first seven minutes of this game and they got it to where they got it at halftime came out in the second half again let the Cavs get right back in the game they cut it to a two possession game and then just the Knicks the New York Knickerbockers that were picked to you know have an over under of 22 and a half this year came out and just absolutely put their foot down on the throat of a team that was 500 coming into this game and was pretty much fully healthy except for Kevin Love, which I think if you gave some truth serum to the people in Cleveland, probably tell you they're they're happy that they have um, 
you know, Larry Nance Jr. starting in place of Kevin Love, but we don't have to get into that. Um, and this game was over. And I, I it's funny. I, I said this a minute ago, but like I kept waiting for the moment for the Knicks to let go of this game and let go of the rope and for the Cavs to get back in it and for it be another disappointing loss. But it didn't happen because... This seems to be a different Nick team. And I feel like I've I've said this a few times already this year, but it's realer and realer and realer with every win. And 9 and 11 isn't anything crazy. It's nothing to write home about. But when you've played the fewest amount of games at home of any team in the league, and when you've played the schedule that they have played against the teams that they've played against, and it has not been cupcakes. Um, you know, I remember early on in Mike Miller's tenure, um, we were a lot of Nick fans on Twitter were, were boasting about how well the team had played. And some of the beat guys and other NBA people were like, yeah, well, look at the schedule. They've, they've played some easy games. And you know what? That was the truth. They had played some easy games. This season, it's the opposite. And the reason I wanted to bring up RJ and quickly before is like, let's rewind to a year ago in February. Um, when, the Knicks were, I, I, God knows what their record was. It was something terrible. But, like, what was there to get excited about on this team? Because I know we had RJ, and everybody was like, okay, we just had the, the third pick in the draft. It's not like Barrett was doing anything that was, I don't know, otherworldly. He was struggling. He was acting like a rookie. There was nothing that he had done that made you believe that he was going to be some kind of a cornerstone piece. And yet of everything going on with the Knicks at that time, he was the closest thing that you could point to as a reason to continue to be excited moving forward with this franchise. I mean, Mitchell Robinson was playing well, but even with him, it's like, okay, so great. We're going to get super excited about a rim running center who doesn't like, have any offensive moves of his own. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hard sell. Um, and other than that, there was a bunch of guys who I think the fan base pretty uniformly felt uh, got contracts that they didn't deserve in the offseason. And there wasn't much else. Kevin Knox wasn't doing anything worth talking about. Frank Nilakina wasn't doing anything worth talking about. There were no other young players on this team worth talking about. And now we get to sit here after a game in which the Knicks, again, dominated their opponent, that they started off slow, had a couple chances to give the game away, didn't, end the night, third in the NBA in defensive rating. And again, I, I, I to echo some things I've said before, we're not talking about the Knicks being third in defense after three games or five games or eight games or ten games. They're third in defense after 20 games. That is significant. And it is indicative of how things have finally started to change around here in the ways that matter. And when you think about like, okay, well, what do I have to get excited about now versus what did I have to get excited about a year ago? I mean, the two guys that came to the podium after the game, they scored combined tonight 49 points on 
uh, 36 shots. So, you know, not the best efficiency in the world, but considering one of them is a 20-year-old second-year player and the other one of them is a 21-year-old first-year player, I would say that you would sign for that um, 10 times out of 10. And that's what Barrett and Quickly have given us. They've given us things to legitimately be excited about. And yet... I haven't even talked about the guy who I continue to, I, you know, I did, I, I've, I've brought this up now a few times. We did the pod, me and Chris Percy uh, it, I guess it's about what, two weeks ago now, in which I went through all of the Knicks assets and ranked them in terms of most valuable. Uh, I put Julius Randle two on that list. And if I had to do the list over again, I would still put Julius Randle two on that list. He's been that good. And I'm, I'm, I referenced it before. I'm going to have a newsletter coming out, which gets into some of the things he's doing. Um, 16 points a night, eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, he is just absolutely running an NBA offense. And it's not a good offense, but he's running it. And anything good that happens, usually more often than not, comes as a result of him being on the court. So that's three things to be excited about. And then we have a couple other players tonight who made their presence known. So someone I have not mentioned either while I was talking before or while I've been talking now is Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, who coming into this game had averaged 25 points and 20 rebounds against the Knicks in two games that he played against them this year. Andre Drummond had all of four points tonight. He did not get to the free throw line. He got his 15 rebounds, which fine. Okay. But on the whole, the rebounding margin was about even. The Cavs had 43. The Knicks had 41. And the Knicks did what they had to do on the glass at both ends of the court. Drummond did not win this game for the Cavs. He did not have a real impact on this game for the Cavs. And I think we need to give some significant credit to Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson didn't have a great game. He only had six points. He had three blocks. He had a steal. But you could tell that that dude came out and took this matchup personally. And after the whole thing last game that I ranted and raved about um, with the tweet, and he was asked about it, and they even mentioned it on the broadcast tonight. Like... You have to give Mitchell Robinson credit for coming out tonight and making it a point to make sure that Andre Drummond did not make him look like a little kid in comparison to to himself. So that's another thing to get excited about. And then, of course, we have our other rookie, Obi Toppin, only 13 minutes, only five points, but had a couple of minutes there in the first half that made you remember why, oh, that's right. This guy does some stuff that can't be taught. And this guy, if he's given time to figure it out and perhaps, God willing, uh, is given some more spacing occasionally on the court where he could do some of the stuff that we saw him do tonight, like drive the middle of the lane and have that nifty finger roll. He's going to be real positive. And so the next 20 games in, into the season have kind of built themselves an interesting young core here. And it's a core of players that, I don't know, there's something about it that it doesn't feel like it's fool's gold. Like I, for instance, I was looking up while I was waiting for, for uh quick to take the podium. I looked up fourth quarter scoring in the NBA. And did you know 
that the Knicks are the only team right now in the league that have three different players in the top. Let's see what it is in the top 36. Actually, no, Charlotte. Sorry. Charlotte is the other team. So there's two teams that have three players in the top 36 in fourth quarter scoring. And those players are Julius Randle is seventh with 105 fourth quarter points this year. R.J. Barrett is 21st with 85 fourth quarter points this year. And, of course, young Emmanuel Quickly is 36th with 79 fourth quarter points this year. Like, it seems like they have guys that know how to do it on the big stage, which obviously it's the Knicks. It's the biggest stage that there is in sports. Um, I think that matters. And as we're starting to transition from the conversation of like, well, the conversation that we went into this season with, with, which was, okay, let's try to see some development. Um, Let's hope we get some growth from the young guys. Let's see if we can have some building blocks and and things to go into next season with to be excited about uh, while still hopefully getting uh, a top five pick. Like, when does that I'm I'm asking because I don't pretend to know the answer to this question. I'm asking, when does that conversation begin to change? When does the conversation become, okay? well, we have one guy here right now that is going to make an all-star team. And Julius Randle is going to make an all-star team. Barring injury or a complete and total drop-off in his play, Julius Randle's an all-star. We have another guy in R.J. Barrett who is in the conversation for, after Zion and John Morant, the best player from that draft. And I, and people will be like, in the conversation, it's obvious. Obviously, he's the best player from that draft. Well, hold on, because Tyler Harrow is doing some things in Miami. He just came off a seven-game layoff, and you, he looked okay the other night. Um, he's good. Um, Kelvin Johnson, good player. Um, there are maybe one or two other guys that I'm not thinking of. But R.J. Barrett's 20 years old. He has been the second most important player on a team that is uh, in a playoff spot as of right now in the Eastern Conference. That matters. So I think right now he's the third best player from that draft. And I think he's in the conversation for best, I don't know, 15 players in the league that are on their rookie contract, 20 players in the league that are on their rookie contract. Somewhere in that range. Um, That matters. I think that matters a lot. I'll tell you this. Here's something I didn't think I would say a month ago. I would take R.J. Barrett over any rookie in this class. And if you think about it, so who does that include? That includes James Wiseman. That includes the Mellow Ball. That includes Tyrese Halliburton. That includes Anthony Edwards, um, who's putting up a lot of nice stats, but, you know, clearly is not impacting winning. Um, And it, of course, includes Emmanuel Quickly, which is maybe a good transition to talk about the kid one more time. I know I waxed poetic about him before, but I just like here's the thing about about what Quickly's doing. If you look at any successful team in the NBA, um, teams that are 
eventually, and obviously the Knicks are not there yet, but eventually get to the point of contender status, they get, I don't know if you want to call it luck. I don't know if you want to call it being just really good at drafting, but they nail something that they weren't supposed to nail. Up and down the league, Brooklyn Nets, Joe Harris, Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton, um, Indiana Pacers, Demonis Sabonis was the secondary piece in that trade, uh, and they got him. Uh, let's go to over to the Western Conference. I mean, Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert, um, San Antonio Spurs made up of guys who were taken like late in the draft. Keldon Johnson is one I just mentioned before. Denver Nuggets, Jokic, um, Memphis Grizzlies. They got a couple of guys who were who were pretty good, but I guess I'll put uh, I'll put Brandon Clark in this in that conversation. Like all of these teams, at some point along the way, Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green. Like they got someone, they got someone that they weren't supposed to get, and it helped vault them to that next level. And I've been waiting for so long. We all have been waiting for so long. Uh, we thought maybe it was Amon Shumpert at one point, uh, even, you know, back in the day for my, for my, for my Knicks tape peoples. Um, we thought it was Trevor Ariza and then Isaiah Thomas came in and shipped him out of town. Like, I think Emmanuel quickly is that guy. I think Emmanuel quickly is the guy who we're going to look at and be like, that's where they, you know, um, I guess to use a roulette term, that's like where they hit on, let's go with 21 because he's 21 years old. That's where they hit on 21. I don't know what the odds are of getting a guy who's going to be a significant contributor for a winning team at the 25th pick in the draft, but they're not big and they did it. Like he's established as much. The only question now is how high he could rise. So yeah, it's just, man, it's so much fun to think about this and look back on the last year and where we were 12 months ago and and, and where this team is now. Um, and think about, okay, so we just talked about Quickly and RJ and Randall. I don't know what they do from here. I don't think they need to make like some crazy trade. I don't think they need to go out and get Victor Oladipo. I don't think they need to go out and get, you know, I mean, the guy they played tonight, Andre Drummond. Um, but it would be interesting to me to see if they could make one move to try to make this go from a spunky, still not, can't call them a good basketball team, but they're like whatever is a notch below good, um, you know, team that's going to be in the running for the 10th seed to see if, like, why can't they take a little step up if it's not going to impact their future? If it's not going to impact their ability to make a big trade moving forward? Why can't they give up a second round pick or maybe at worst the 2023 Dallas pick to try to go from, and I have not mentioned him yet because it, it hurts my soul. <sighs> like they're doing this. They're nine and 11 with Alfred Payton as their starting point guard. You shouldn't be 9-11 with Alfred Payton as your starting point guard based on how Alfred Payton has played this season. And I mean, man, I got to eat shit on this. I don't know how else to say it. I have to eat shit on this because 
I yelled and screamed when people got mad that they re-signed Peyton for one year and $5 million because I said, based on his play last year, he deserved that contract. And I will still sit here and say, based on his play last year, he deserved that contract. But based on his play this year, <laughs> he didn't deserve that contract. He doesn't deserve a fifth of that contract. Um, he's He has not really... He, I mean, he's, he's an NBA player, but he's not a starter. And they're doing it with him there because Tibbs... I mean, he's not going to come out and say this, but Tibbs likes the ability to have a guy coming off the bench and quickly who, when he's having a great game, fantastic. I'm going to leave the kid out there for, what did he play tonight? 25 minutes. I'm going to leave him out there for the whole fourth quarter. I'm going to leave him out there when it matters the most. And I'm going to let him make plays. And when he's having one of those rookie games, I don't need to do that. But here's the thing. When he is having one of those rookie games and you do have to rely on Alfred Payton for 30 or 35 minutes a night, those are the games you lose because Alfred Payton can't be playing 30 to 35 minutes a night against decent NBA teams um, more often than not. Yes, he has the occasional night where he will go 10 of 16 and the little teardrop is falling and he's actually making passes as opposed to tonight when he finished with two turnovers and three assists. Um, so I'd love to see them try to upgrade that spot. Um, my God, he was one for six. I, I feel like I look up every night and I, I think I said this on a recent pod. It's either three for nine or four for 12 or something like tonight. One for six. I don't know what that upgrade is. Uh, I, I don't know how much of an upgrade Derek Rose would actually be. I do think they'll kick the tires. I think they'll kick the tires on some other people. I think they'll even maybe get creative and potentially bring in someone who is not a traditional point guard. But if the cost is cheap enough and you could kind of squint and convince yourself that the player is a point guard alongside RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, I think they'll do that. But I just, I really want to see this team with a competent lead. That's the wrong word. Alfred Payton is confident, is competent with a better lead ball handler to guide this offense. That's all I want. Um, And some fans may listen to that and be like, what are you crazy? We're in the perfect position right now. We're going to be able to tank out of the playoff race in the last 25 games of the season and put ourselves in a better position for a better traffic. Look, if that transpires, great. I will continue to say and, and, you know, call me out as someone who is just, I don't know, doesn't understand lottery odds. I get the lottery odds, but like they have a chance here to make this a real season. They're third in defense after 20 games. They have a chance to make this a real season. I would like to see them make it a real season. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Just give it a chance. And you can't give it a chance with Alfred Payton as your starting point guard. So, you know, see what else is out there. They got $17 million in cap space. Money doesn't go bad. And there's a lot of owners who would like to offload some salary. And I am I think Brock Aller is going to play this really well. Um, and I'm just curious to see what they do. And that is that. So uh, thank you for listening to uh, this edition of the Knicks Film School Podcast, post-game edition. And uh, we will be back with you with um, uh, another episode before you know it. 
Because that's what we do here, baby. We cover this team as best as possible, and we pump out all of the content that you could possibly want to consume. So thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget, please check out uh, the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Nick's Film School. There is little clips and highlights from all of our episodes. You could see my wonderful facial expressions. You could see my um, my daughter's backpack in the background of these videos that I record. Um, it's was hanging up before, so that was fun. But like, yeah, uh, tune into the Nick's Film School YouTube channel. We have a lot of good stuff up there, and uh, if you're so inclined, subscribe, give us a rating, five stars preferably, give us a review. Try not to say anything too mean, and uh, we really appreciate you listening. And we will again be back with you with another episode before you know it. 